Buckle up your pant legs, zip up your hats, and don't get too excited about seeing Monstro again. It's time for Sounds About Light, a podcast about Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. I'm Sam. I'm Drew. We have visited Monstro for about 10 seconds this week, and Pleasure Island for substantially longer. Yeah. Was was it Prankster's Paradise? Is that what they called it? I can't remember the... Are they called? They called it Prankster's Paradise. I think that's supposed to be the name of the amusement park that is on Pleasure mm, Island. Maybe got it. Yeah, I guess I I could see why they didn't want to have a world in Kingdom Hearts named Pleasure Island. Um, <laughs> doesn't sound right. I mean, I don't like that they have that in the movie Pinocchio. No, I mean either, but it, it is there. I'm I'm going to experience pleasure and turn into a donkey. <laughs> Sounds all right. Hopefully in that order. Sounds all right, but as I remember from my childhood, it's horrifying. Yeah, Pinocchio was not a not a regular watch for me, because I think that the donkey stuff did freak me, freak me out quite a bit. It's like, it's the donkey stuff in Pinocchio, and it's the scene where Dumbo's drunk in Dumbo. Um, mm-hmm. Both very, very horrifying memories from my childhood. Bad stuff. Oh, and all the dinosaurs dying uh, in Fantasia. Oh, I don't remember. I've definitely watched Fantasia a few times, but it's very hazy, and I think it's because the 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 brooms scared me. Yeah, there's a part where the brooms. Yeah, okay. Um, Who knows what they might sweep? There's a part where they're like the world's dying, and the dinosaurs are like fighting over like a pit of mud, and it's just horrible. It's like just <laughs> I don't know. It's sad. That's my mud. Yeah. Fuck pretty- you. Pretty much. That would be more fun. Instead, they're just dying and, and looking bad. That's my mud. I'm going to die. Please, let me have it. No, don't be funny, Sam. Stop being funny. <laughs> uh, what did you think of, of this viewing? Oh, we, we mentioned the Pinocchio stuff, but we also went to Traverse Town again for some reason. Uh, It's fine. I don't know. I mean, it kind of feels like we are spinning our wheels a little bit. Before we get to the actual stuff of this game. Yeah, we sure are. Someday, perhaps, there will be a Kingdom Hearts game where there's no wheel spinning. Yeah, it's a funny thing. Like, I feel like modern games don't spin wheels nearly as much anymore. And maybe I'm just, maybe I'm thinking of that wrong. But like, or at least they do a better job of making you feel like what you're doing matters. Mm, We'll we'll see how you feel about that when we get to Kingdom Hearts 3. Okay, cool. (laughs) I said, I said, I said modern. I didn't say Kingdom Hearts games. I said <laughs> <laughs> modern normal games. Modern normal games. Yeah. Uh, we begin this week in Prankster's Paradise. Sora is so happy to be here, despite the horrific clown face sign that welcomes you to the park. Yeah, bad. No good. Um, and old Jiminy Cricket is here, thinking about Pinocchio and how worried he is. And expositing out loud to nobody about how the Blue Fairy made Pinocchio real and Jiminy is his conscience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is that is nice. I'm glad that he did that for uh, nobody. Especially considering that, like, I mean, it's weird because we've we've met Pinocchio in the first game. Of course, we've spent time with Jiminy throughout the series, even if it doesn't feel like it. But this is the first time that they actually get into anything about the plot. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we just, I mean, other than other than in the earlier earlier games, they talk about how he's, you know, a doll that gained a heart. That isn't even really part of Pinocchio. That's more of a Kingdom Hearts thing. 
Well, yeah, because I think when we meet the Blue Fairy, who, by the way, I remember when I played this the first time and Jiminy mentioned the Blue Fairy, I I literally did not remember that being part of Pinocchio. That's in my notes, too. I'm like, the the Blue Fairy? Oh, I guess she's the star. I don't remember that. But yeah, he says that uh, the Blue Fairy... What it, was it like she turned Pinocchio into a real boy because Geppetto is such a sweet man, but he couldn't have a son or something? Yeah, he like brought that? so much. He brought he's like selfless and brought so much happiness to everyone else that he deserved a, a boy. I really didn't remember the detail that Pinocchio was his son. I knew that. I knew that he was like a surrogate son, but um, yeah, and he wished for him on a star. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a great time to be talking about Pinocchio because. The world is uh, aflame with pea fever. Pea fever. Pinocchio is bigger than ever. We've had like two Pinocchio movies in the last year and a game about Pinocchio. Yeah, I mean, we've everyone's got pea fever. We're on fire. It it's it burns when we pee. Yeah. Um, my pea fe- fever is. I have low grade pea fever currently. I haven't been able to jump into the pea and really. Uh, really get back in there since the demo came out but I'm, I'm looking forward to it people keep people keep talking about how it's good so demo what are you talking about uh of lies of p what is that uh <laughs> <laughs> jokes i am being a prankster and i'm in paradise <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that anyway we, we don't usually get a podcast title that early that's good <laughs> Uh, Sora says hello to Jiminy, and because he's Sora, it's going to take him quite a while for him to fully understand that this is not actually Jiminy Cricket. Uh, right, yeah. Uh, and, and I think, I'm glad this is here because this, this does make stuff that's going on finally start to make a little more sense. Yes, that's true. We did talk about this last time, and fortunately, Sora flashes back to a conversation with Yen Sid to explain some stuff to us. Yen Sid tells them that in the sleeping worlds, time does not flow normally. Uh, they are basically locked in a in a dream until they're woken up. And people in the worlds will appear in the dream, even though they're, they themselves are also asleep. And anyone who's not in the world that is asleep will be sort of filled in as a little, a little figment of the world's imagination. That is why Jiminy and Pinocchio are here, even though they're not actually in the sleeping world. Yeah, I think that I don't really like that um, a lot of things in this game are only a mystery to us because the game refuses to give us the whole conversation Yen Sid had with Ryu and, and Sora. Like, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of, and it's not the same, but it reminds me a little bit of, like, Heavy Rain, how the game, like... How dare you? <laughs> how the game, like, shows you stuff and then later tells you that that was, like, a lie, you know? like it's fighting words. It, it, did I get reminded of Heavy Rain? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I, I mean... Reminded I of Heavy Rain, what, uh, parentheses negative, I'll say. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess what I'll say to that is I, 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 I agree to some extent, but imagining the version of this game that begins with a 45-minute lecture from Yen Sid <laughs> is pretty bad. No, that's bad, too. But, like, there's other ways to learn this information... I mean, like, Jiminy almost lays it out for us right here. Like, it could have just been a thing Sora realizes, and we realize it along with him. Yeah, because Jiminy, Jiminy is like, when Sora says, oh, Jiminy Cricket, he's like, oh, well, 
Uh, looks like the name Jiminy Cricket is starting to spread far and wide. <laughs> I always knew I'd be a famous cricket. <laughs> Have you heard of Jiminy Cricket? I hear he's doing some bold conscience work with a puppet. He's like the number one conscience in the country right now. I didn't know that Pinocchio was set in a world <laughs> where people are like professionally consciencing. <laughs> People are aware that crickets have sentience and also, <laughs> like, and, and they, they love his conscience work. Yeah, Jiminy's like, wow, it seems I'm something of a celebrity these days. I'm not surprised. I figured that would happen. I am, I am the best. I'm not surprised that this little anime boy has heard of me, Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> the appears this anime boy, nothing weird about this. I guess he's in a pretty weird place, so maybe that's not one of the weirder things going on for him right now. Yeah, I mean, he's he's literally in a place where children turn into donkeys, so... Yeah. Um, this would have been a great time to bring back Sora's original Lion Boy design. Oh, yeah. Sora could maybe get a little mischievous with some root beer and grow a mane. And then his, uh, his keyblade can become a chainsaw, and he can start fucking chainsawing all these Dream Eaters all over the place. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Uh... Well, there's a, a great dream eater for him to start with, and it looks exactly like Pinocchio. <laughs> this was very goofy. Sora, uh, after having his little flashback, he, he finally realizes, aha, this is not actually Jiminy. This is just a dream version of Jiminy that the world is producing because he's not here. I assume, I assume what that means is that all of the people that they see in these worlds are just sort of dream projections because the alternative is that they are all just like sort of entranced and being like puppeted by the dream, which is kind of horrifying. Yeah, I think it is. I think it has to be that you can only if people were in the world when the world went to sleep, they're not here. This is literally the world's dream and not the world itself. Yes, I think that if you went to Sleeping Notre Dame and gave Quasimodo a tattoo, I think that when he wakes up, he would probably not have it. Right, because I mean, because I, I have to believe. And the reason that yeah, we know know this is because Jiminy is not actually trapped in this world, and so this just has to be a dream of the world. That's right. And yeah. if if Jiminy Cricket gets tattooed in the dream. He does not get tattooed in real life. Except for when Sora tells him about it. He's like, that is a sick tattoo idea. You're right. <laughs> yeah, that that should be how all of these stories end, is that Sora solves the problem of whoever he's visiting in the world, and then they all get Keyblade tattoos. Ah, uh, let's say friends. Aw, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, Sora, uh, asks Jiminy, oh yeah, Jiminy, when he sees Sora, is like, you better get out of here, young man, and Sora says, why is that? And he says, this is a terrible place where nasty shit boys make jack-a-mules of themselves. <laughs> and then he realizes, when Sora introduces himself, he says, Sora, I heard Pinocchio mention that name. And we get another Dream Drop Distance flashback. Uh, Pinocchio is locked up in a cage, uh, I assume this happens in the movie. Uh, he starts he starts lying and saying, uh, well, I was on my way to school. Actually, hold on. Pause. Does, was that part of the lie or does Pinocchio go to school? I don't think Pinocchio goes to school. Surely he doesn't go to. I can't imagine that Geppetto is sending a puppet to school. He hasn't been alive for very long, I don't think. I mean, he should go to school. He should go to school like Sora. He should take Sora with him to school. But 
Although probably not like whatever century Italian school you would be going to. <laughs> they're they're learning probably some pretty backward shit back then. But <laughs> still, it's probably better than just, I don't know, running around with a cricket and going to a donkey island. Yeah, you do have to put some like some kind of fake flesh on him though, so nobody knows that he's a puppet. Like, oh yeah, just like slap some ground beef onto him or something. Yeah, you're right. That's gonna look way better. That's that's gonna be way less disturbing <laughs> than a little wood boy. Um, just some ground beef and then maybe some like horse hair at the top. Yeah, oh, that's the new boy. He he's in a ho- he was in a horrible carriage accident, but he is <laughs> he is still here. Have um, you seen the uh, the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror where the fog turns you inside out? I think that happened to him. Oh, yeah. We have all seen the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror in, what is this, like 15th century Italy? And that's got to be later than The that. Simpsons has been running for quite some time. It is really old, yeah. It's it's, it's really old. It's They probably had it in Pinocchio times. That's right. It was, anyway, Pinocchio... Pinocchio starts doing his classic lies. I was going to school, but then there were some monsters who showed up and his nose grows. And they tied me up and his nose grows. But then I snuck away bravely and his nose grows. And then a guy in a black coat told me that he wanted to play a trick on Sora. (laughs) But his nose doesn't grow at that one. Oh. Which, I mean, not surprising for us. More surprising for Jiminy. (laughs) It would be kind of nuts if Pinocchio just made up the black coat guys. He had a premonition. This is the part where the blue fairy shows up and says some shit. Yes. Um, yeah, I well, yeah, my notes, as I told you earlier, says a bad boy might as well be fucking dead, which isn't exactly what she says, but it's pretty close. Yeah, a boy who won't be good may as well be made of wood. Right. <laughs> yeah. That is that is some like <laughs> Eastern European fairy tale shit. It's mean on like a lot of levels, too. Because it basically she's saying, like, a boy who's not good might as well be fucking you, Pinocchio. God. <laughs> Ugh. Little wood boy. That's right, because he is, he, not only is he made of wood, he's always been made of wood. Yeah. That's his whole thing. I think in a way she's saying, like, you don't deserve to be a real boy if you're a bad boy. But that's horrible to say about children who misbehave. <laughs> Which is, like, I guess what fairy tales are. Fairy tales are all, like, stories to really scare you into being a good kid. Uh-huh. Uh, at the roots like you know like the like how like the real little mermaid ends with like every time you lie it like <laughs> it's like another year that she can't get to heaven or whatever something like that <laughs> so <laughs> anyway it all tracks yeah but yeah it is it is funny that she's basically saying because like that that expression i don't know i've never heard a boy who won't be good might as well be made of wood. I don't know if anyone has ever said that. I don't know yeah. if Pinocchio movie invented that phrase, but I like the way that she delivers it. Like it's sort of a, a common pithy saying, but it's like, this is a scenario that only applies to Pinocchio. Yeah. Yeah. This wouldn't make sense to anyone else other than if you're really threatening a bad child. <laughs> and you're a fairy who can turn him into wood. Right. Uh, but she reminds Pinocchio not to lie, uh, and he says, I'm sorry. She forgives him, and she frees him from the cage. Uh, we leave the flashback, and Sora offers to help find Pinocchio, but uh, awkwardly pretends that there's no reason for that, because he he doesn't know Pinocchio, Jiminy thinks. Right. And oh, then they yeah. see Pinocchio running around, and they follow him. But when they catch up to him, they catch up to pinocchio super smash bros player two yes he's mysteriously in dream eater colors 
Yes, purple and green Nightmare Pinocchio. (laughs) We've all been wondering what Nightmare Pinocchio looks like. uh, Because it turns out that... Not the the Pinocchio that they saw first, but this Pinocchio that they actually caught up to is, in fact, a funny Dream Eater ghost. It's a Dream Eater playing a prank. Aww... I love I love these Dream Eater ghosts. They're great. Yeah, they look good. I like I like this a lot. Although I have to like the game seems to think it's tricking you with the palette swap Pinocchio, and I was like, oh, that's pretty obvious. But I was like, well, if this was on a 3DS screen, maybe I wouldn't be able to tell as much. <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, when you see Pinocchio in the distance, it is Pinocchio, and then you like run after him, and yeah, you catch up to this clearly not Pinocchio, but. After the fight with the Dream Eaters, they see another Pinocchio, like, standing on top of some big, like, tower thing. And that one is already purple and green. But they're like, there he is this time. <laughs> there he is this time. Well, and that's what I was talking about where I was like, I feel like they didn't think you could see him that well or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. The good news is, though, uh, Prankster's Paradise is fun to traverse. You know, you got the you got the flow motion. You can like grind rail on the roller coaster tracks and stuff like that. This is a fun level. Yeah, it looks fun. It's a nice change of pace. <laughs> uh, you know, they they fall for it again. They fight more Dream Eaters. This time though, they see the real Pinocchio and they follow him into a circus tent. Uh, there there's fun like wacky funhouse stuff on the walls that is not in any of the cutscenes, alas, but. They catch up to Pinocchio. He's on like a sort of a trapeze platform kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that seems that's right. Circus platform. Uh, and Sora trampolines up to him and retrieves him, but he's got donkey ears. Oh no. Oh no. He's, the thing that happens in the movie must have been happening. He must have drank beer or something. I couldn't <laughs> I was going to say I don't remember why he actually becomes a donkey in the movie. Yeah, he does some of the bad boy things. He does. He has some root beer. He looks at dog poop on the on the street. That's a good. Uh, that's a good thing, though. That <laughs> that reverse donkeys you. He he uses up his legend points or what the fuck is it in Lies of P? I can't remember Mythic points. I don't. Remember. I don't remember. He doesn't treat his P organ very well. No. Yeah, the P organ's all out of whack. Sora fights the Dream Eaters with trampoline and trapeze stunts, which is fun. And cool. did you catch a weird thing here when the villains arrive? I don't. Uh, no, I don't think I did catch anything. So I am like 100% sure that Prankster's Paradise was supposed to be before the grid. Mm. Because young Xehanort and Xemnas appear. And Sora sees Xemnas and they're playing the like organization theme. And he goes, Xemnas? This is impossible! Oh, yeah, that is weird. Yeah, and in the grid he just says, Xemnas. Hey, Xemnas. Yeah, he he really didn't seem to be that thrown off by him. <laughs> you again. <laughs> yeah, just like, oh, it's been a minute, Xemnas. Yeah, you must be right. Huh, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, you unlock... Uh, the grid Notre Dame and Prankster's Paradise all in one like batch of worlds. Oh, uh, okay. But the grid is a lower level, so pretty much anyone playing it is going to go there first. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'm very surprised that they didn't account for that at all. But Xemnas starts doing a Xemnas thing. Imagine a hollow puppet growing a heart. 
Yeah, that's like the whole Sora. that's like the whole thing that happened, my man. <laughs> yeah, and Sora says that himself. He's like, you know, if Pinocchio can have a heart, then so can the nobodies. And Xemnas is like, uh, whatever. <laughs> he kind of just like blows past that without really discussing it. And that was Xemnas's whole thing too. Yeah. Yeah, he was trying I, to... Well, I mean, I think he was lying about it, but he told everybody he was trying to get the nobody's hearts. Maybe that's why he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> He's like, well, if I had known that I could have just asked a fairy... I should have... I, if I knew it just had to be a good boy. <laughs> all, it seems that all I had to do was be made by a puppet man. If only my dad was the nicest man in Italy. <laughs> Um, Xemnas just completely changes the subject and is like, you know, Sora, you're not so different from us. And then they, they just leave. And Sora's like, what? They're implying something about his heart, right? I assume by saying he's not so different than us. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I don't know what he's getting at. Because, like, when he said the thing about, like, make sure the contents of the box match what's on the label, like, okay, I get that. He's saying there are heart, there's, there's stuff in your heart that doesn't belong to your heart. Yeah. This one, I don't know what he's talking about. I mean, are there maybe bits of his heart that aren't in his heart anymore? I I, I, just, I don't know. Uh, maybe. I mean, I guess it's possible that, like, when Naminé was created, she had some Sora, and then when Kairi absorbed her, she has some Sora. I don't think that's a thing, though. I don't know. He's just saying shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, Thanks, Sometimes Bye. Sometimes they just say shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sora leaves the circus tent and the blue fairy is waiting for him. Uh, as ever, Sora is just like, hi. Oh, a a fairy? Alright, whatever. He's seen a lot of those now. Has he? Oh, yeah, I guess he has, huh? Yeah. Flora, Fauna, Meriwether, and Maleficent, lest we forget. Mm -hmm. He might have seen the fairy god... No, he didn't see the fairy godmother. That was the Birth by Sleep Uh, gang. Yeah, Cinderella world has not come up since then, huh? Nope. Oh well, he'll. I'm sure he'll meet her eventually. I actually can't remember if they have met. Oh no no no! Wait wait wait! Oh sorry, everyone's screaming. Apology corner uh, subverted. No need. I don't Kingdom Hearts one. She unlocks the summons for him. Oh, yeah. So she escaped the world getting sleepy. Yes, yes. We we did meet her in Kingdom Hearts one. Stop stop posting at us, everyone. I know. Okay, Thou- our thousands of fans. Please stop. Are thousands of haters. <laughs> um. So she tells Pinocchio that Geppetto went looking. Or uh, sorry, she tells Sora. <laughs> excuse me. She tells Sora that Geppetto went looking for Pinocchio and got swallowed by Monstro. She told Pinocchio and Jiminy they ran off to save him, and Sora says, "Okay, I'm going to go get Monstro." Um. I I have to say I think it is such a missed opportunity. That this part of the game isn't Sora being like brought in by the the I don't know entrancing pleasures of Pleasure Island and and starting to turn <laughs> into a donkey like that would have been so good. Why isn't that what happens here? Yeah, unfortunately, a a thing about the Dream Drop Distance worlds is that all they really can be is just going through the motions of the story from the movie. 
Yeah, I mean that would still be that would still be going through the motions of the movie though. If he was doing it like alongside Pinocchio, like they're both hanging out and drinking beer and going down water slides or whatever that happens that turns them into. <laughs> turn- I think that the series would be canceled <laughs> if, if Sora drank a beer. Yeah, they could put the root in front of it if they wanted to, but like I don't know. <laughs> I just wish he was. I just think that's such a missed opportunity, like to have Sora like learn something. You know, yeah, I I agree. I I think a lot of these worlds really fall flat because they 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 just can't like let Sora be part of anything. So all he can really do is you know what he does in a lot of the weaker Disney worlds is just run from scene to scene, watching the movie happening and occasionally saving a character from bad guys so Occas- that they can do what they do in the movie. Occasionally saying, "Nice one, Quasi." Nice one, Quasi. That was epic. Yeah. Here's some Dunky Donut. <laughs> we get a, a little cutaway scene to Jiminy and Pinocchio uh, talking about Monstro, and they they comically jump directly into the water, which we- looks very funny. Yes. This is weird, the setup for this, where they're just walking around on the bottom of the ocean. So here's here's the thing. That is in the movie. Is that in the movie? Okay. Yes. There there is a part of the movie where Pinocchio is literally just like walking around underwater and they're doing like a voice effect where it's like everything he says. Did he wait himself or something? He's made of wood. I don't think so. I mm, plot hole. What's weird is I think that he might have had like a bubble on his head, but Jiminy doesn't. No, that can't be right. Oh no, 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 sorry. Reverse. I remember what I was thinking. Because he's a puppet, so he doesn't need to breathe. I was wondering why they didn't put a bubble on Jiminy's head. That's what I was thinking. Well, he's an immortal cricket. What? Well, he's immortal, obviously. Well, he's a conscience, oh. he's a magic cricket man. That's how that's how he lived long enough to meet the steampunk puppet boy in Lies of P. <laughs> yeah, as Gemini. Gemini. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> Um, yeah, but this part's kind of fun. I do think that it sort of feels like it ties in with the, like, theme park feel of this world. Because Sora, I don't think any of this was in the cutscenes, but Sora is also just, like, running around on the, on the ground underwater and fighting, fighting enemies. And he's got, like, a big floaty jump and stuff. And it, it, you know, it kind of feels like you're walking through, like, a, like a hallway before an underwater themed ride. Okay. It's pretty good. Um you know what they recreated from the movie that I was delighted to see is uh when Sora catches up to the two of them and Monstro swims up and starts trying to swallow them, they recreated Pinocchio's wacky frantic puppet swimming motion. Oh. That's He's good. got his arms and legs just like flailing around like Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> that's good I, I think i missed that that's good yeah it's 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 good it's a nice touch uh and then a an ice lobster helicopter freezes monstro solid and creates a big frozen boss fight arena this is a bad thing apparently to freeze monstro and no. sora's gonna solve it that's not supposed to happen monstro is supposed to eat them uh, I, I guess yes so. sora has to fight the ice lobster helicopter uh, which is called Chill Clobster, if you were wondering. I wasn't. Um, I'd say what one of the worst Dream Eater names that they came up with. That's a first draft if I've ever heard one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
we we kind of go uh kaiju mode here though because when sora you get the boss's health down to a certain amount and then you get to do a reality shift on monstro to break him out of the ice mm-hmm. and then levitate him into a giant bubble and ride around on his back yeah which is i think i saw earlier in the video this is an attack you can sometimes do to enemies and now sora's doing it to to monstro yeah, I think that that's the reality shift of Prankster's Paradise is like putting the enemy in a bubble. Okay. But yeah, Sora gets to ride Monstro like a mecha and uh <laughs> I think he just eats the nightmare. Yep, yum yum. Problem solved. Mm. But I love seafood. That would make sense cuz it's going to come back. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Because they, there's always two versions of each one. Uh but Monstro sneezes and Sora goes flying. And Sora, this is so funny because Sora like wakes up on a beach and he has a realization that I didn't know he hadn't had yet. (laughs) Because he's like, I see now. This is when Monstro swallows Pinocchio and Jiminy. I'm like, yeah, Sora. What? Yeah, dude. How did you only just now figure that out? Uh, But that's Sora. We love him. Um, And yeah, I'll be honest. I'd have never understood in the Kingdom Hearts fiction how Jiminy and Sora... Okay, earlier I called Sora Pinocchio, now I'm calling Pinocchio Sora. How Jiminy and Pinocchio got out of Monstro, because they all were swallowed by Monstro, which is how they survived the world falling to darkness, is that Monstro, like, blasted off into space somehow, I guess, whatever. I mean, I do want to know how that happened, but we'll never know. Right. They were all swallowed by Monstro, and then somehow Jiminy and Pinocchio got out of Monstro, but went different directions, and Pinocchio ended up in Traverse Town while Jiminy was at Disney Castle. Well, Sora talks about how this, you know, Monstro got blasted into space. Yeah, they don't really explain how they get out. Yeah, you're right. Huh. I don't know. Yeah. I guess just various sneezes. Yeah. Mickey did it. (laughs) Uh, but Sora, Sora figures out what's going on and he's like, okay, so the, this, this dream is just going to keep going. And the only way to release it is to wake the world from its sleep. And he unlocks the sleeping keyhole. Yay. Yay. And then we go to the mysterious tower once again, and we get to see Donald and Goofy for a minute. Yeah. I'm glad to see him. They're worried about Sora. Uh, but Goofy reassures everyone that Riku will take care of him. Uh, of course, they, they they do not know that they are going through uh, a sleeping and waking cycle. Right. Uh, and then Maleficent's raven flies in and drops off a letter and Minnie Mouse's tiara. <laughs> I loved this so much. And Mickey reads the letter. She's kidnapped Minnie. She says I have to go to the castle or else. God. I love to hear Mickey Mouse say, or else. Or else. Yeah, this is this is such a silly little melodrama we get here. Yeah. Uh I mean yeah, there there's no no phrase could better describe what happens here than silly little melodrama because Mickey is like, I'm going alone, and Donald and the Goofy say, No, your majesty, and he says, Okay. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it makes sense. It's been like five minutes since Kingdom Hearts has had a lady in peril, so we might as well might as well have a lady in peril again. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so 
they leave, and Yen Sid thinks to himself that uh, the timing is too perfect. This isn't just a coincidence that this is happening now. Maleficent is choosing her opportunity to strike uh, because she has detected a change in the forces of darkness, like Xehanort. <gasps> now, I can't help but notice that you have pasted an image here. What? Oh, yeah, we can talk about that later. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing to say about it. There's no text on this Kingdom Hearts fan and wiki article. Well, this article, Red Love, is a creative property of Zach. That is on here. Zach did this one. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. It looks like uh, <laughs> it is a heartless with a pink rectangle for a body, and it appears to be holding... What is that? Is that a, like a, a flask of hearts? It's like a, like a healing potion, if I had to guess. Oh, the sorry i almost didn't see the description here because it's purple on purple <laughs> text uh-huh. an ally with a bag of goodies that's right this is a heartless that you want to run into yeah well that's nice yeah little little wiki interlude anyway yeah all right <laughs> so riku uh, goes to his version of Pinocchio world. And I appreciate this. I like that they did this because Riku is in a different part of the world. He's in Monstro. Yeah. Yeah. At least this is cool for them to be doing something this different. Yes. I like that. They're not just, I mean, Hunchback was probably the worst in terms of just experiencing the same story from two very, very slightly different angles. Yeah. This is at least, like, a, di- a different point in the story, which is nice. Although, as you've talked about, this is nothing. It'll it'll be over very soon. Yeah. <laughs> which is a shame, because when, when I remembered that Riku was in Monstro for his version of this, I was like, that's cool. Like, that's a place that has significance to him. This is where he betrayed Sora. Right. Well... I'm glad you thought about was, that because this game didn't. Yeah, I mean, it kind of does in a way that, eh. well, I mean, it's short, so let's just go, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's just get through it. Um, so he sees Geppetto and offers to find him. Jiminy's also here and says that he wandered off, uh, he being Pinocchio, of course, with a man in a black coat. Oh my God, what else is new? Jiminy hops on Riku's shoulder and they go looking for Pinocchio together and... They find him with a black coat guy wearing his hood, which means that we don't know who he is just yet. Usually once the hood comes off, we know who they are forever. Right. So this is a new guy. Yeah. And you might wonder, ooh, how long are they going to build the suspense? Anyway, he takes off his hood and it's Riku. And Riku kind of no-sells it. Yeah, he's kind of like, because black coat Riku just says nothing and leaves. Right. And... Riku Riku is just like, uh, my dark side. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd have a bigger reaction than that. I get, that, <laughs> I get that him and I get that him and, and Sora are getting kind of jaded, but <laughs> it doesn't seem like you should see yourself in a dark coat and go, eh, makes sense. Yeah, I. It's interesting. I kind of wish that they had played a little bit more into some ambiguity here. Of is that the dream version of Riku or is that one of the villains of this story? Because he's wearing a black coat. 
there's no reason that Riku would be wearing a black coat if it was Dream Riku. No, I, I was pretty sure this is like, it seems like all the old enemies are getting revived. And so this has got to be either Repliku or, or like, I guess Riku who's possessed by Ansem. I don't know. Yeah, that, that, that mystery will carry forward. Yeah. So keep, keep that in mind. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it would have been cooler if he had been dressed like Kingdom Hearts 1 Riku. Um, yeah, that would be creepy. Although, you know what else would have been cooler is if we see him again. Or if he said something. If he said anything. <laughs> Maybe they... Yeah, he just appears, he says nothing, and lets Pinocchio go, and then he leaves, and I don't recall if we will ever see him again for the rest of this game. We will see him again, but not not in Dream Drop Distance, I think. Um and Riku basically explains this to Jiminy, saying, uh, I think that that was my dark side. It's been following me in various forms ever since the time I gave in to my inner darkness. And Pinocchio turns to Riku and is like, well, golly, have you ever tried having a conscience like Jiminy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why don't you have a weird little immortal uh, cricket? And Riku, but Riku says, I do have a, a weird little immortal cricket. It's my best friend, Sora. Aw. That stupid grin he's always wearing. He's the best teacher I could ever have. Yeah, I like that. That's nice. Yeah. There's a Monstro Quake, uh, and Riku sends them back to Geppetto while he goes to investigate. Deep in Monstro's stomach, he finds a fire lobster helicopter. Oh, that's what was different. This one is Char Clobster. Um, no, that's not better. No, I think it's actually worse. Yeah, it's a lot worse. Uh, he the, There's not much to say about this fight. He doesn't have a mech fight with him, but uh, he does... There is a mechanic throughout Monstro and Dream Drop Distance where you whack Monstro's internal switches to make him flip upside down. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. It's, like, kind of fun for, like, the platforming sections, but this boss fight, it's such a pain in the ass... Because Clobster can go up on the ceiling at will and continue to attack you. And then you have to run across Monstro's giant stomach to uh. hit the switch. And you're racing against the timer before Riku falls asleep. I think I fell asleep a couple times during this fight. Awful. That, so that sounds bad. No good. Um, it's like a proto-divine beast from Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, I'm not the hugest fan of the divine beasts, but they're certainly more fun than this. Oh, uh, well, all right. I I like them. I just they get tedious by the end. Oh, I don't I think they're kind of bad actually. I I don't know. I like that game, but they're like my least favorite part of that game. Yeah. I mean, the Divine Beasts, I think that the the gameplay is pretty fun until I get sick of it, but the boss fights at the end, the like blight ganons, mhm, mm miserable. I thought they were just easy. I don't know. I I like that game a lot, but the combat and stuff is not the thing that I'm there for. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, what if, I, the Kingdom... what if I fired 100,000 arrows at this guy and then he <laughs> right. was still alive? <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom, I think, actually, is I like it a little better, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's whatever. it's better. I, th I think pretty much everyone agrees that Tears of the Kingdom is <laughs> just an improvement on uh, Breath of the Wild. Yep. I, I like the building. I didn't think I would like the building. The building's good. I think that, well, okay, we were just talking about this now, but uh, Breath of the Wild just has, like, I, I think it has 
the vibe of Breath of the Wild, I think, is more consistent, which is, like, nice. Like, there's the vibe of, like, exploring, like, this world that's, like... I, I feel like in Tears of the Kingdom, you just, like, build, a like, a rocket and blast across it. You kind of lose that vibe a little bit. But in general, yeah. the minute-to-minute play... Like, the minute-to-minute playing that game is better in general. Yeah, which I, I do think that that is, in, in a weird way, it does kind of make me feel like Breath of the Wild is worth playing if you mm-hmm. haven't played Tears of the Kingdom... Because I I think that the best thing about it, in my opinion, is just the atmosphere of it. Yeah. And it it is kind of undermined by a lot of the gameplay mechanics of Tears of the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah, I think Tears, Tears of the Kingdom loses the atmosphere, and that's fine, because you already had that. But the atmosphere exactly. is cool and worth experiencing. So Tears of the Kingdom is like, in World of Warcraft, once you unlock your mount, and you never have to, like, explore the world again. <laughs> but it's like, it's fine, because you had to explore it for so fucking long already. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, what's this podcast about? So, <laughs> Pinocchio reunites with Geppetto, and Riku, like, watches from a distance and says... Why does it feel like I'm in the past of this world? Ah, what Yen Sid says. Basically, this is one of those moments where they have to account for the player experiencing it in either order. Yeah, which is fine. Trapped in a never-ending dream, he unlocks a sleeping keyhole. That's Monstro, Kingdom Hearts, Dream Drop Distance. Yeah, it it is kind of weird because <laughs> you really can, just through, like, random little chance, like... Maybe Sora falls asleep during a boss fight a couple more times. Maybe Riku gets caught on something. Like, you can definitely get to a point where one of them is, like, two worlds ahead of the other. (laughs) (laughs) Huh, that's weird. Yeah, I I found myself, like, actively working to keep them in sync. (laughs) Right, which is probably, if you're aware of it, easier to do, but... Huh. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a big deal. I do think, like I said at the start of this, I do like the way that everything feels kind of disjointed and like it's all it's all sort of happening in like weird pocket dream dimensions. I I do think that the the feel of this game is very dreamlike in that way, which I do think is really cool. Yeah, I think that's neat. This this game seems pretty cool in general. I just think like the story is just a little thin. Outside of yes. the cool stuff going on, yes, uh, but I I do like where it goes. As as with any Kingdom Hearts game, <laughs> to, to to varying extents, there is a, a period in the middle where it's like, oh, it kind of feels like not much is happening here. But I know that something cool is going to happen in the end for some reason. <laughs> They're building to something. Yeah. Uh, so basically, what happens here is that once you complete this like group of three worlds you kind of get forced back to Traverse Town, which is why Sora and Riku seem confused when they get here. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, Sora finds himself in Traverse Town. Joshua is sitting on a wall waiting for him, and Sora says, you know you can wait on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like when Sora's sassy. Yeah. Uh, Joshua comes down and says, uh, it's, it's good that you two have shown up, which means that Riku is in the other side of the town. And he tells Sora that the Twiwi characters have found their game partners, but they are still taking refuge in Traverse Town because the Reapers want to erase them. That's a thing from the game. Don't worry about it. 
he like very very vaguely explains the reapers game they have missions they have to do things for the reapers and this time their mission is to fight a big dream eater that can summon more dream eaters that sounds pretty cool right sora you'd buy that game right or like a sequel maybe (laughs) sora sequel coming soon remake on switch coming soon you gonna buy it okay (laughs) yeah it, it is weird i don't know if this will if this will mean anything but the idea that they have a mission right now, like their timers are active and that they have to go fight a Dream Eater boss is so nuts to me because it implies that at some point during the plot of The World Ends With You, one of the Reaper characters just like snapped their fingers and sent them to Traverse Town. Right, yeah. That shouldn't... Because like when they finish a mission in the game, the timer on their hand disappears. So they are... They are still playing The World Ends With You. That's true. Yeah, that shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I. it makes me wonder if this is ever going to be explained in a future game. I think I said this before. They have not yet returned, but I, I think they will, perhaps, in Kingdom Hearts 4. Didn't people feel like it looked like they were in Shibuya in one of the... like in the Is that like the post-game thing of Kingdom Hearts 3? There anyway, is yeah. a uh, secret ending cutscene at the end of Kingdom Hearts 3 that people thought was Sora arriving in World Ends With You Shibuya. Mm. It is not. Oh, okay. But that is what everyone thought. I guess I'll say it's probably not. Probably not. Okay. Other other stuff has come up that is more likely. Got um, it. Okay. But that's, that's, a, that's a conversation <laughs> for the future. <laughs> so Joshua says that... Oh, I love this part because Joshua is like... Riku, I don't, I can't tell you exactly where he is relative to us. It's impossible to measure in time or distance. There's, there's no telling how close he might be or how far away he might be. And Sora says, that's okay. Riku is with me, even when he's not. And the same goes for you and your friend, Joshua. And Joshua says, I appreciate you saying that with conviction, even though you have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) I love that line. And isn't it, yeah, it's pretty weird, right? Because... I guess this is a Chewy spoiler, so I don't know. Fast forward a little bit if you care, but I think Joshua literally murdered Neku, and that's like a plot point of of Tui. Yeah, I that I don't know about. Yeah, I don't know either. It's I, I think don't, it's up I don't know who Joshua's friend is. Yeah, I assume he meant Neku. I I assume that he means Neku. Yeah. Uh, Sora goes to help Neku and Shiki. There was a detail here that I really liked, and we see it again in uh, in Riku's side. Because I talked about how much I was frustrated with The World Ends With You combat, where you have to, like, control the top screen and bottom screen characters at the same time. Mm -hmm. There is a thing with that where if you, like, alternate a combo back and forth between them, there's, like, a big ball of light that bounces back and forth between them that gives them, like, a multiplier or something like that. Right. And as we catch up to Neku and Shiki at the end of their fight, we see the ball of light flying between them. That's a great detail. Good job, guys. That's, yeah, that's good. Um, we're about to meet my favorite character in Dream Drop Distance, which is... Spelican? Yes, <laughs> Spelican. <laughs> Spelican is great. Yeah. Although, the the boss fight against him ruined my life, but the, the cutscenes of him are fantastic. Yes, yes. He is, I mean, he's a pelican. You might be surprised to learn. He's kind of like Kamek from Mario, 
He's yeah. a, he, he rides around on a little broom and does magic, but yeah, he's a horrible. A big, but he's a horrible bird. <laughs> instead, big, big spell book that he carries around. Mm-hmm. He is a horrible bird, uh, and he he can summon dream eaters, uh, which he does, and then I think he flies away. Um, oh no, 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 not yet. He doesn't fly away yet, and that that will be important for a reason. Uh, this is great because Neku is like oh, Sora. I don't need your help, and I don't need Dream Eaters either, now that I have my game partner again. And Sora is like, but wouldn't it be better if I fought for you so that neither of you get hurt? And Neku's like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure, I guess that would be good, actually. I guess, yeah, that's actually pretty nice of you. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, So after the fight, uh, Spelican leaves through a portal, and... It's it's the same kind of portal that Joshua was using. These, like, spiky pink portals are actually, like... There's a game mechanic involving them that's basically, like, challenge fights uh, that are all over the place. These these portals are very present, even if this is the second time that we've seen one in a cutscene. But, um... Right. Uh, Sora starts embarrassing Neku in front of Shiki, because this is the first time they've met. And Sora's like... Oh my god, it's so nice to meet you. Neku was so frantic looking for you. He said he really needed you, and Neku's like, Shut up, Sora! Oh, man! I did think this was nice, though, because Shiki doesn't really, like, rub it in at all. She's just like, thanks, Neku. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Joshua shows up, and he says that the Dream Eater, when it went through that portal, it appeared in the other Traverse Town... And he is already working on a plan with the people on the other side of the town to trap it in the third district with the famous uh, uh, lady in the tramp fountain so that it can't escape anymore. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, So Sora. Oh, there's like a little scene here with Neku and Joshua where Joshua or Neku is like, don't forget, Joshua, you're my friend and I'll see you in Shibuya. Something like that. Yeah. Probably more meaningful if you know the characters. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you should buy this cool game and you might understand it. Yeah. Uh, that's the end of Sora's part here. If I remember correctly, I think that's just an editing thing. I think you can keep playing as Sora in this part and just kind of like do his whole part before Riku actually gets here. Oh, okay. But uh, Riku arrives in his version of the town. Joshua is waiting. This time he's waiting on the ground. So presumably this is after Sora <laughs> embarrassed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a funny scene because Riku gets a lot of the same information that, uh, that Joshua gave to Sora, except he also gets the smart guy side of it. Yeah, right, yeah. Because Joshua, yeah, he tells him about the game, the Reapers, blah blah blah. Uh, he also talks about how Sora is not smart, and he's like, oh, I'm glad that you understood what was going on pretty quickly because Sora took a while to get it. Yeah, and Riku's like, yeah, that's that seems about right. Um, but then he he gives Riku some information that he, I guess, couldn't be bothered to give to Sora because he knew it was a waste of time. <laughs> uh, which is, he said, you know, we we were originally thinking that these two Traverse towns were parallel worlds, but I don't think that's true because everyone has a timer on their hand, and when Shiki and Rhyme switched worlds their timers didn't match Neku and Beat's timers. And I think it was like, yeah, so the one that Riku's in, time is moving slower, 
So there was more time on Rhyme's timer. And when Shiki came over, there was less time on hers because hers was moving faster. And I like Riku just being like, yeah, dummy, time moves differently in different worlds. You should know that. <laughs> but Joshua, yeah, Joshua's like, that is true. But it's it's weird that two versions of the same world would be out of sync like that. Because it it would be one thing if it was the past and the future, but it's just it's just different. The time is flowing differently, which means that these are different worlds in the same way that any other worlds are different worlds. Yeah, he's he's saying it's like it's the same world. Did he say it's the same world imagined by two people? Is that what he says? Yes, and Riku says, "So you're saying that we're in a dream?" And Joshua says, "Yeah, well." I don't really know what it means. It doesn't really matter to me and my friends, but it might matter to you. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> so I have not figured out what this means yet. Um, I had a, a crackpot corner just kind of blast off my brain. Is is there a nobody and a heartless of the worlds that went to sleep? And that's why there's two dreams. <laughs> uh, no, but I love that. Thanks. Well, okay. Ooh, now hold on. I, I actually forgot. This was a thought that I had at one point. I don't think I wrote this down, but did, maybe we talked about this on the podcast, come to think of it. Because in Kingdom Hearts 1, they go to the end of the world, which is described as sort of like the heartless to the hearts of all the worlds. Right. So is it possible that the world that never was is the nobody of all of the worlds it could be i feel like we might have had this conversation before but it doesn't matter because it's interesting it is interesting and probably Mm. not answerable currently (laughs) probably will never be explained yeah um my my other thought is also entirely oh sorry yeah no you got Oh, I see. My other thought is that this is similar to... This is making me think of Final Fantasy X, which I realize you probably didn't play enough of it to know why I think that, but this makes me think of Final Fantasy X. (laughs) I never finished it. I don't remember if I talked about this. I never finished it, but way back when, when I wanted to play Final Fantasy X-2, I was probably like 14 or 15 at the time, Mm -hmm. uh, I did go on GameFAQs and read the entire script of Final Fantasy X. (laughs) Okay. Which somebody had helpfully typed out yeah thanks yeah i i remember only the vaguest things about it there's a lot of stuff about dreams going on that's that's all Uh uh-huh yeah Uh uh-huh yeah which i mean yeah whether you whether you really know what's going on or not i think it's pretty clear from early final fantasy 10 that something's up with the the difference between like the two versions of the world that you know yeah exactly someday i'll play more of that game yeah i mean you don't have to it's it's a that's that game's a solid b plus i like it i i think the thing that kind of put me off was when i realized that all of your stat increases come from the sphere board yeah the sphere grid excuse me yeah you get better weapons and stuff i guess but yeah yeah i was just like i i i was grinding and the grinding is helpful because it gives you spheres that you can level up with yep but I just realizing that I don't just get like, oh, I leveled up. I get one extra HP this level. Oh, I get one extra strength. I don't know. I It, it made me feel like, I, I guess I don't know if this is true, but it felt like I had to do more grinding to get the same amount of 
stats. I don't know if that's true. I don't think so, but I can see why it feels that way. I mean, I re- I really like that game. I just I but like I think a lot of that memory is nostalgia of it just being like kind of the first game I'd played that was like that in a way. Uh-huh. So, maybe I'll maybe I'll look up a let's play or something. Yeah. Anyway, Riku goes to help Beat and Rhyme who are fighting Spelican and we we get a very similar scene to the last one because Riku shows up to help and Beat is like I don't need your help anymore now that I've got my partner. And Ryan is like, five seconds ago, you were saying how much you wish Riku was here. Yeah. Blah, don't tell him that. <laughs> he says, blah. 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 Yeah, I and wrote down And then he says, blah. you always got to go around and garnish my reputation. Yeah, we like beat. We uh, like beat. It's weird. I feel like the the joke of the character who uses the wrong words a lot of the time doesn't work for me, but there's something about Beat where I just like it when he does it. Yeah, he's a big himbo, I think. He's a likable himbo, you know, using words wrong. I think that's better. Uh-huh. I um, don't know. Beat and Rhyme snark at each other, and Riku says that they're cut from the same cloth, and this is cute because Rhyme, they say in unison, Rhyme says, I know, and Beat says, I'm not made of cloth. <laughs> And while this is happening, we start getting a hilarious close-up on the horrible bird monster. Oh my god, that's right. As they're, like, talking and bantering and laughing, we keep just, like, watching Spelican's face as he's getting angrier and angrier <laughs> that they're not fighting him. This is why he's my favorite character, and I love this, too, because, like, his face is, like, lower res than the other characters, because he's not as important, so they didn't do as much work on him. And, like, but we keep getting these close-ups. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Uh, um, and then eventually... He's very, he's very expressive. He's really mad. And then does he have, like, does, does he turn red? And Does steam come out of his ears? Or is it just he turns red and then, like, screams? I I don't remember steam coming about coming out of his ears. But he is, like, he is, like, growling and shaking with rage. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Riku's like, oops, I think we made it mad. So they, uh, Beat and Rhyme stay behind to fight the nightmares that it summons while Riku chases after it. Uh, this is where we get into the, the plan from before. He chases it into the third district. It escapes through a portal, but Sora is already waiting for it. Uh, Riku reassures Beat and Rhyme that the others will be able to take care of it, uh, Joshua shows up. I didn't quite understand. He said something about like what a good listener beat is. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. I was kind of confused by that. I'm sure it was very good snark. Uh but he also pisses off beat by calling him by his real name with his which is Daisuke Nojo Bito. Right. <laughs> so his name is Beat. Yeah, Bito is part of his name. Yeah. Yeah. Um and a keyhole appears in the sky. Riku says goodbye to the others and unlocks the sleeping keyhole. Now, this is odd because they already unlocked the sleeping keyholes of Traverse Town. Oh, yeah. It's got more than one. And Yen Sid specifically said that there are seven sleeping keyholes. And I did use my own knowledge of what happens in this game combined with some wiki fact checking to confirm there are seven sleeping keyholes, you know, times two for Sora and Riku. I have no idea why they did it twice in Traverse Town. Yeah, I guess. I can't find any explanation. It doesn't stay open? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Is it 
maybe it's just like it it didn't feel right sending them off without unlocking a keyhole i don't know yeah plot hole very strange um uh, maybe that means that there's an eighth princess of heart could be um is this a part where Joshua talks about how dreams are going to convince you that they're real, and so Riga should be yeah. careful what he listens to? Yeah. Although saying that, it's like, well, should I listen to you, Joshua? Are you a dream? Are you trying to convince me you're real? <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I'm not in Riku's situation, because that would really mess me up. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, Sora, though, he's not... He doesn't have to worry about that, because he wouldn't be able to think about it anyway. Yep. Uh... The Spellican appears in the third district where Sora is waiting along with Neku and Shiki. Sora fights it. It's a boss rush. He's summoning all the bosses that you fought before. We have to fight Clobster again already, which is kind of weird. Yeah, why yeah, why are you here? why are you here, Clobster? Hi, Clobster. Uh but then he beats those bosses and Spellican escapes through the keyhole. Dang it. Aw oh, man. And that uh, means they will... they haven't won the Reapers game. That's right. We will see Spellican again. We will fight him for real, because uh, we didn't actually fight him this time. But, uh, yeah, Shiki and Neku are like, so, did we just fail the mission? And Sora's like, nah, I'll just go beat it for you, and it's fine. <laughs> um, Neku thanks Sora for making this easier, and Shiki tells him that he's less dorky now. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I do, as much as neku's character wasn't really working for me when i played the game i appreciate that they take the angle of he's he's being edgy and broody but he's not being cool he is being specifically uncool yeah i think that's good he's 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 being like uh an aloof anime dreamy boy but (laughs) but that's not a good thing yeah that isn't something you should aspire to um so this is where they they invite Sora to come visit them in Shibuya when they get home. See you uh, in Shibuya, pe- people playing this video game, please. <laughs> Use the coupon code DreamDropDistance10 for ten percent off the Swift the Switch remake. Just kidding! It's full price. I need the money. It's sixty dollars <laughs> for this game from like two thousand five. We we put some things in it. We uh, we did some work on it. You pl- trust us. So Joshua asks Sora if he has any messages that he wants him to pass on to Riku, and Sora's like, "Nope, bye." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why even bring it up at that point? <laughs> he's my he's my friend. He doesn't need to hear anything about it, though. <laughs> I like the idea that because I mean Riku didn't give Sora any messages. <laughs> no. Uh, now it's time for a great scene because we go to Mickey's library where Minnie is being held hostage by Pete and Maleficent oh it's so good to see Pete yeah uh, we he's not hacking but we know that he could if he wanted to yeah he might be I like uh, like this part where Donald is like ah Pete you're being a I should I should do the voice no, I shouldn't have done the voice. Pete, you're being a big thug. And Pete is just like, <laughs> I don't mind that. Yeah. But Maleficent is like, do not insult my underling. Pete, don't let them talk to you that way. <laughs> Pete's like, I like it when you do that. I think it's 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 a fun a fun touch for, for Maleficent to be like, 
my my henchmen reflect on on me so don't insult pete because it makes me seem incompetent yeah no it's yeah <laughs> it, it also felt like maybe she cares a little bit about him but maybe your interpretation is more correct i think that she does care a little bit about because i mean she i think that she cared a little bit about riku in kingdom hearts one yeah that's true do you think there's any fanfic out there about riku and pete working together well i hope so because as it is, I'm trying to remember if they've ever met. <laughs> yeah, I think the because Pete doesn't show up till uh, two, right? They must have met at the world. At, I was going to say the world ends with you. The world that never was. Maybe I don't know when Pete got hired. Maybe it was after. You know. Well, he started working for Maleficent when she saved him. Uh, oh yeah, from the hell prison that Minnie Mouse threw him into for being rude. Right, and that's like before. That's when when Riku was only a little boy. So okay, yeah. But time's funny. Uh, this is fun though because Maleficent says, "I have great plans for dear Pete," and I am terrified to know what that is. Well, I'm going to make him the master hacker. I'm going to promote him to the Duke of Darkness. Ooh. Um, there yeah. is, it's only a title change. Did, have you ever read any of uh, A Song of Ice and Fire? Yeah, I read all of them that have come out. It's like uh, anyone who has seen the show, uh, even if you have not read the books, you will know the character of Braun. Mm-hmm. And there's like a running joke plot thread. I mean, it's it's a joke, but it's also very serious. Right in the books that Cersei's like incompetent Machiavellian puppet mastery just keeps promoting Bronn more and more. He's just this like dumb fuck mercenary. Right. Like a little cleverer than normal mercenary, but he keeps, yeah, he keeps getting a promotion. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because she, she like thinks that she's this incredibly like tactical string puller. Like she thinks her father would want her to be. And she just accidentally keeps getting Braun promoted. And I mean, I don't I haven't I haven't finished The Winds of Winter, and obviously there's more books to come after that, whether people say it or not, I believe in you, George. Uh but I in the show, I'm pretty sure he like becomes Lord Paramount of the Reach in the end, but it's like not it's just played completely straight, like, oh good for Braun. Yeah, well the show a lot gets lost in the show. <laughs> so Maleficent threatens to kill Minnie Mouse. And Minnie Mouse says, Don't let her get her way, Mickey. I'm happy to die for the cause. Let me fucking die. Kill me. It's, Don't listen to her. I will die with dignity. Mickey Mouse, my husband. <laughs> Don't be a sick Don't go sicko mode, Mickey. And Mickey says, Maleficent, what do you want from me? And she says, I will start with Disney Castle and make it dark again, like in Kingdom Hearts 2. Have we heard them say the word Disney out loud before? I guess there was Disney Town. Yeah. Tickets to Disney Town in Birth by Sleep. Yeah, that's where they've said it. I can't remember if they had said it out loud before, but yeah. Um, Mickey does not believe Maleficent, though. He's like, I think that you're after something bigger than that. And she says, okay, fine. Here's the truth. Xehanort told me everything I know about the wider world. He taught me how to travel between worlds. He taught me how to fill hearts with darkness. He taught me about the power of the seven hearts of pure light, etc. He taught me everything I know. Yeah. Did we know this yet? No, we know they met, but it's wild that Xehanort had taught her everything. Yes, this is, this is, okay, good to know. Yes, this is the first time we have learned. 
that when Xehanort met her around the time of Birth by Sleep, he just, like, taught her about all of the Kingdom Hearts mythos. Yeah, yeah, and, like, because... Yeah, up to this point, your assumption maybe is she learned a couple things from Xehanort, and then the rest she learned, like, working with... Oh, wait, she didn't actually work with Ansem. Never mind. She just... Yeah, okay. Yeah, it would have... I guess she just figured she did it on her own until this point. I can't remember. No, I guess she wasn't. Because, like, when Riku showed up, I don't think she knew that he was possessed by Ansem. No, yeah, she's surprised when Ansem shows up. Yeah, right. And he farts a bunch of darkness all over her, and then... yeah. (laughs) So one one question to keep in mind here is, does this mean that Xehanort told her about the Book of Prophecies? Because I I think that he knows about it, but I don't remember. So we'll, we'll get into that eventually. Seems like it would have to be that because she didn't really have awareness of the worlds outside her own until Xehanort showed up. Mm. I guess we'll I guess we'll see as we go forward through the through the prequel games. Mm-hmm. We do have a few more. <laughs> okay. Um, so she, she says, yeah, I miscalculated how hard it would be to take over all the worlds before this. Um, but I have an idea for a new way of doing it. So hand over the data. And I said, ah, yeah, the data's back. (laughs) They do like a comedy cartoon flashback cutaway when Pete is like, don't you remember? We were in the computer world. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's way less than i thought it was about to be yeah it's like it's like a six word summary of the plot of recoded from pete's perspective that's when i was a hacker that's when that's what sora had to learn about the the weight of carrying around hurt oh yeah hurt so uh maleficent loses her patience and fires a magic blast at them but a corridor of darkness pops up, and what should fly out of it to block the blast but two flaming chakrams? Whoa. And while they're distracted, Minnie uses her, her light magic to escape it's, from Pete and Maleficent. She yells, light! <laughs> light! And yeah, Pete just like falls over, and she runs back to Mickey, and they hold hands for a second. And Maleficent, she says like, this proves it. What I want is here in this castle. I will fucking kill you. And then she leaves, and Pete's just like, wait for me! They leave, like, really slowly, too, and everyone's just like, yeah, okay. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mickey tells their mysterious unseen rescuer who could it be. It was very reckless to save us using the darkness, but gosh, I never expected you to save us, Axel. And he says, Axel didn't. My name is Lee. Got it memorized. Woo! Yeah! Woohoo! Good game! Yeah! I'm sure, like, this was good. I mean, it was super, super (laughs) obvious what was happening, but good. Oh, I mean, when I was playing this myself and those chakrams flew out, I was like, no fucking way! I think I'm I, I'm a little poisoned by knowledge. I know enough to not be so <laughs> like excited. Yeah, yeah. That is where we are stopping for this week and for this month and probably for next month also. Yeah, I have. Uh, I'm getting married, so I'm going to be busy for a while until. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. So from all of us here at Sounds About Light Industries. Thank you. 
Yes, I, I'll, I'll make sure to send personal thank yous to everyone on the team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, we'll we'll be back in December, and uh, I'm going to be doing stuff till then. Yeah. Uh, so we we've got half of the game to go. We've we've got three episodes ahead of us, but uh, we'll we'll be getting to those when we get to them. But next time, when it happens, you can all look forward to. Country of the Musketeers from the direct-to-video Three Musketeers Mickey, Donald, and Goofy movie. And Symphony of Sorcery from Fantasia. That's I'm excited for these because I've seen that I've seen that Three Musketeers movie like a few times as a kid. And also I really like Fantasia, even if the dinosaurs scare me. <laughs> yeah, the, these are these are some good worlds I remember. I don't know for sure that I'm right, but that's what I remember thinking. Alright. Alright. Uh, yeah, this is, I like this game. Yeah. Yeah, I think the game seems cool even when I don't like what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, the the way that they tell the story is a little wonky. Sometimes I think that works to its favor. It's weird because I think that, I think that the story is wonky in ways that are specific to Dream Drop Distance and in ways that are extremely Kingdom Hearts through and through. Yeah. Totally, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, there's definitely something they're doing here, but a lot of it is just the like their inability to mess with the stories in Disney too much. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's it's fun. It it's is. fun. I I love I love Axel saving them. Yes, that's great to see Lee, and also I'm just happy to see Pete. And as much as I have uh, sort of mixed feelings about the Twoey stuff, I, I said it last time or the the first time uh, I'll say. I I think that Sora has such a different personality to the others that it's just really fun to see those characters bounce off each other. I felt it more this time. I don't think I felt it as much the first time, but this time I, it all all was pretty good. So yeah, yeah. So if if they come back in Kingdom Hearts four, I might not hate it. <laughs> it, it it'll depend a lot to me. This is Wish Us Duck. It is. I want to say something about Wish Us Duck real quick. Um, yeah. You know, I was thinking about how we're we're getting better, but we're not perfect yet. And then Sauce talked about how uh, it had a hard time not laughing listening to Wishes Duck while at a dental appointment. And I think the problem is Sam was we've got too many teeth. Duck don't ducks don't have teeth. I oh think we're gonna have. Oh my god, to, we gotta get our teeth out. Gotta get rid of our teeth so we can do this podcast better. It'll make you the, know, I've it'll heard... make the whole podcast sound way better. <laughs> but then it's the best on duck you've ever heard. I have always heard Tony Anselmo say that he has, like, a technique for it that he cannot divulge. He removed all of his teeth and he wears dentures it's the rest of the time. It's probably that he has false teeth. Yeah. He pops them out like that part of um, oh, Javier Bardem in that, one, in that one James Bond movie. I haven't seen it. Okay, well, great. I've seen one James Bond movie, and it was Goldeneye, and I thought it was okay. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I I didn't know because Goldeneye is the one that the famous video game is from. I yeah. assumed that Goldeneye was like one of the one of the most favorite best ones. And it was like it's okay. Yeah, I think at the time people really liked it. It's all right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What What should we say? And should we? I mean, I don't I don't know what will come out of my mouth if I try if I try to do like this kind of thing with my teeth. <laughs> Yeah, I you know I'm well. Yeah, you have to actually remove them. You can't just do a thing. So, um, uh, so I won't even bother. No, I will bother. Okay. 
Uh, I don't know. I, we can say Bois, don't tell him that. <laughs> well, I can do the... Oh, that it didn't come out very well there, but That's not I usually can do it better than that. Hold on. That's better what I'm going to do, probably. That was me trying to curl my lips around my teeth. <laughs> I've hit a I've hit a plateau. I I've gone I've regressed mostly. <laughs> Tony, help! Help! Take my teeth you out! You gotta Tony. divulge it, Tony. Take my teeth out! <laughs> take our teeth, Tony. <laughs> take take your dark prize. Teeth for Tony. <laughs> oh no. Well, that's fine. Uh, what do we do first? Questions or dive to the wiki? We should dive to the wiki first. Um, I found a short one that, I don't know, these are funny to me. You look at them and tell me if you think these are worth uh, doing. Unless you have something you want to read. Well, if we're doing short ones, then I might as well read iPhone 70641, which sure. says, Note, do not edit this. Quote, this is who I am. iPhone 70641. End of post. <laughs> Um, I want to read to you about the evening orb. Oh, I love the evening orb. The evening orb is a harmless nobody found anywhere morning orb is found. It is to morning orb what what dawn is to dusk. While it can be attacked, it, it will simply think it to be playing and pursue the character, misintentionally alerting any other nobodies in the area. Uh, story, open for any story. Um, <laughs> it says the same on Morning Orb. Yeah, World's Fought, all in which Morning Orb can be found. Variants, Morning Orb. Well, now hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because Morning Orb is fought in Tranquil Garden and no other worlds. Right, where the Morning Orb is. <laughs> it can be fought in all one of them. Um, can you tell me the strategy for the Morning Orb? <laughs> Since they don't attack, just hit them till they die. Oh. That's a, you know, if you're saying that about something, you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah, the strategy for the Eevee Norm is different, which is kill them before other nobodies notice. So there's there's more there's more stakes to the evening orb. They'll be than really, the... really sad if they see what you did to their friends. <laughs> They're poor defenseless friends, the orbs. Uh, what, do the, what do the evening orbs drop? Evening orbs drop common items as well as useless things such as sticks, leaves, and pebbles. Okay, same for the morning orb. That's good. Uh, trivia: Morning orb together with evening orb is currently the only nobody that doesn't fight back or obey an organization. Wait, yeah, no, that is spelled wrong. Yep. Organization thirteen members demands. It uh, that says the same thing about the evening orb. Uh, yeah, I liked those. <laughs> Oh, wait, can you read what the, the morning orb does when it gets attacked at the top? Uh, while it can be attacked, it will simply think it to be playing and nuzzle up to its attacker. Oh, no, that's so sad. <laughs> Why did you kill the morning orb? <laughs> You're just being silly. You're my friend. You wouldn't hurt me. Ow! No, you're just kidding. Take my sticks. Um... I want to read about either Kingdom Hearts Child of the Sun or Kingdom Hearts Signs of Zodiac. I, I think a dealer's choice. Well, let's go Child of the Sun, because that's the first one that I've pasted in my in my list. Okay. 
Kingdom Hearts Child of the Sun is a fan fiction created by Galexgan. <laughs> <laughs> what is that a, an anagram of? Um, let, 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 Legan Allegan? Their profile begins, sorry if anybody is reading my fanfic. Um, yeah, I thank you for the apology. <laughs> oh, Gage. It says, Gage. Gage is the original name. Alias is, of, it's a combination of like Gale and Gage, it looks like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the story takes place several months after Xemnas' defeat. It, t- it gives the tale about Galexgan and his quest for a heart. Uh, our protagonist, we have Galexgan, uh, Kyxiel, Soixja, <laughs> Zakshi, Nalkson, and Orin from Final Fantasy X. Oh, nice. Uh, the antagonists we have are Sulkax, World Villains, Heartless, parentheses, KH, Children, uh, Child of the Sun, and <laughs> Nobodies. Where are we going? We're going to Hundred Acre Wood. Oh, there's nothing. Oh, we go to New Orleans. I assume that's Princess and the Frog. Probably, but the yeah. rest is all stuff we've already done. Boring. Yeah. You're, you're writing fanfic and they go to Olympus Coliseum? Come on. Here's yeah, we... what I'm really here for. Groups, the new organization, Child of the Sun. Okay, so we have uh, Sulkax, the cynical puppeteer. I'd like to read uh, a quote from the personality section of Sulkax. Please. My, my body shakes with anger. I can't get rid of it. I should feel no emotion, but all I have left is this one emotion. A deep anger at Galaxkan and Zakshi's betrayal. <laughs> Solkax to one of the other nobodies in the new organization. Just one of them. Just one of them, yeah. Oh, so that's Lucas. Okay, I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Galaxgan, the Relentless Sun. Okay, yeah, Gage and Gale. That doesn't make any sense. No. Uh, uh, Kyxiel blank Soixja the serious sentinel <laughs> Zakshi nothing to be added the boisterous hero to be added the whirlwind swordsman to be added the frozen academic now hold on these are there's the whirlwind lancer is uh, Zaldin and the, the chilly academic is Vexen so they ran out of ideas to be added blank <laughs> and Nalkson Lux lover, Nalkson, Lanson. That's not a Lanson. That's not a real original name, unless your name's. So Lan- this is just this is just uh, Luxord, but with dice. At the start of a battle, quote: "Please don't make me do this." <laughs> uh, I love his winning quote. Lady Luck seems to have a crush on me. What? I don't like that. <laughs> Uh, this new group was founded after the first organization's defeat and continues many of the old traditions of renaming, wearing the coat, uh, wearing the coat, <laughs> and even continues from the numbers of the previous organization. When the new organization was founded, Sulkax and Galexgan thought that the title Organization 23 did not give the proper vibe, and so they simply called it the organization, though most everyone else calls it the new organization. <laughs> So were there 23 nobodies in Organization 23, or they just wanted no, to... No, it's because they picked up where the first organization left off. It goes from 14 to 23. That makes sense, yeah. Okay. Which is weird, because it looks like half of their ranks are currently empty. So they're like, we definitely want to go up to 23. <laughs> Good. Um, their role is 50-50 protagonists-antagonists. Oh. <laughs> um. Wow, we could read about this forever. There's a lot here. Well, 
Oh my god, yeah, there's so much story here. Yeah, well, I was just clicking on all the characters and everything. There's a lot there, too. Oh, there's like four giant chunky paragraphs of plot for Child of the Sun. And then it just kind of ends. Yeah, it ends It ends with uh, part one. <laughs> uh, a sudden blow to the head during the fight somehow causes all of Gale's memories to return, and Galexgan remembers the horrible truth of how his memory was lost in the first place. Dot, dot, dot. 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 Never written again. No. Um, I did like seeing that somebody was willed the life as a lingering sentiment. So that's, that's, that's probably a cool thing this writer came up with. I just found a new Kingdom Hearts game. Uh, Kingdom Hearts for True Story. I thought we mentioned for True Story. Did we? Okay, maybe we did. I don't know. I've looked at a lot of this wiki. <laughs> God damn, I saw that the the table of contents shows like 20 chapters, and all of them are just titles and no text. Yep. Oh, this one is also Infernox. I remember Infernox. Yeah. Good website. Good website, but I like, as always, popular pages number two, forever will be Max Goof. <laughs> yeah, everyone loves Max Goof. Max Goof and I get Bully Maguire every once in a while, which is good <laughs> Bully to see. Maguire. Oh, Bully Maguire. All right. Uh, I think we could. Oh, no, wait. We have questions. We have questions. Yeah. Um, I got a couple on co-host. Uh, but you, did you have someone like the hopper you wanted to get to? Yes, yeah. because Sauce asked us two related questions and we answered one last week. But the other question is, what is the first one was, what is Elon? Uh, no, what is Nomura's Twitter look like? This one is, what does Elon Musk's Kingdom Hearts look like? Uh, real answer is, Elon Musk is incapable of doing Kingdom Hearts because he doesn't have any imagination. Um, <laughs> but obviously, uh, if, obviously, it's fucking Rick and Morty uh, and combined with Final Fantasy. God, yeah. Rick and Morty would be running through the whole thing. Uh, Ansem the Wise is just Elon. He's going to rehire Justin Roiland, too. He's coming back for this one God. yeah uh every yeah <laughs> all all of the worlds it's it's actually rick it's rick and morty but then you go to different worlds so it's like you go to tucker carlson world you <laughs> go to jordan b peterson world and every and all of them are voiced by justin roiland too no exceptions <laughs> every single character um except for one that's voiced by elon musk um, oh no it's the worst one. You know, they he actually wasn't going to be in it, but then he walked into the recording studio with a gun. Well, yeah, uh, he wasn't going to be in it, and then but he fired everyone else working on it, so then he had to do a voice. Okay, so i I would bet that you've heard the story about how uh, was it was it Grimes was like recording some dialogue for a little cameo in Cyberpunk. No, I haven't heard this. Oh, you didn't hear about this. Uh, yeah, I think it was Grimes was recording her cameo dialogue for Cyberpunk, and Elon Musk uh, showed up during the recording session with a pistol. Oh, that's just a... And, that's a and demanded to be in it. Um, That's a normal thing you can do. And I had heard that part of the story. That was going around uh, recently when the Elon Musk biography was coming out and everyone was talking about it. But... There's another part of that story that I hadn't heard, which is his cameo. His cameo is, like, the first thing that you see when you play the, like, corporate cyberpunk character. Really? 
is like you're you're like in the bathroom like looking in the mirror or something and then you turn and there's a guy standing there who has elon musk's face and he's like hello there's a meeting in the conference room i'm glad i've never played that fucking game (laughs) me too (laughs) jesus people are saying that it's good now and i'm like that's okay i can play anything else yeah i can play there's so many games i don't have to play the one with all the terrible people that made it and (laughs) that probably doesn't actually seem like that good of a game anyway uh do we have any other thoughts on what elon musk's franchise looks like i mean the one thing that will be the same is the letter x will be everywhere um he'd probably integrate nfts into it somehow and like so he'd integrate nfts into it and also it wouldn't be called kingdom hearts it would be called x be called x elon x (laughs) elon x (laughs) god well thanks for making me think about that sauce yeah thanks sauce um any other questions in the hopper nope all right. Well, I got a quick one from Ingrid, which is, I just finished listening to Recoded this weekend. I'm still thinking about Hacker Pete. Why isn't Hacker Pete in Dream Drop, Dream Drop Distance? And I, you know, I said, and I agree, Hacker Pete should be in everything. I think Hacker Pete might be in Dream Drop Distance, though. I think he is in Dream Drop Distance. We're talking about Data again, and he's in the castle. We might see some Hacker Pete coming back. I think we're going to be seeing Hacker Pete for a long time. Uh, to give a serious answer, Pete will never hack anything again for the rest of his life. Except for in Kingdom Hearts 4, which is <laughs> all about Pete hacking. Kingdom Hearts 4, colon, all about Pete. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Big Challenges uh, asked us a question, which I... Um, and this is... We've had a similar question this before, but I still... I wanted to answer it, so... Um, asked as we continue through kingdom hearts i wanted to ask what are your opinions on a queer romantic reading of sora and riku i think it's an interesting read but at the same time like many other shonen male rival ships it's dependent on the very limited presence of women in the story are there any are there any other characters you would think it would be interesting to read as queer or is that an aspect of fandom outside your interest um i mean i guess i would say that that's more or less outside of my interests in the same way that uh reading characters as straight as outside my interests is i'm not i'm not really a shipper um yeah i don't know i i i've said this before like i i totally get it i think that there is a lot of stuff there that is very like fitting that does really feel like it points toward that but it is also true that there's very very few female characters although i will say you know, one of the two female characters that there is who isn't Minnie Mouse is the girl that Sora is romantically interested in. <laughs> right. Who, and I understand why people are more interested in him and Riku's relationship because they have more of one throughout the games than, than Riku is, or than Sora. Yeah, because Riku's just way more present and way more well-defined as a character. Whereas Kairi, even when we do get to spend more time with her... I, I do kind of had a, have a hard time really placing what her character is, unfortunately. I'm hoping that that will change. I I think that Kyrie's going to get more to do, but... Yeah, I think... Yeah, and I think that I'm kind of with you. I'm not much of a shipper. Like, I would be interested... Like, so I think that's the thing, is like... Uh, you know, and, and like... And so, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm straight, so I don't... I don't think I have the shipping instinct because I see myself represented in media all over the place. And so I don't, I don't have that in me. 
And like, I definitely understand why people want to ship to see more representation in their media. But I think the answer is like, I would love it if there were queer characters in this game. That'd be cool. I like reading about queer characters in stories. So I wish that was there and I'd be interested to see that. You know, you've got like, uh, like Lee and, um, I, I, Isa or Issa, you know, like that, that's Isa. Yeah. Isa. Yeah. Like that, those are two characters that, seem very close and you could you could read them that way and i don't want to read them that way i just want them to be queer if the if the story was interested in doing that basically i i would be cool with i would be cool with lee and isa yeah that would be cool to see um but i just want it to be textual and not like a thing that we have to imagine you know but uh i don't think that's gonna happen yeah it's it's not gonna happen in this piece of media i don't think I'm I'm often not really like interested in romance stories, but like when they're good, it's like that's cool, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So like I I think that Sora and Kyrie's romance falls a little flat a lot of the time, um, but yeah, I don't know. I I'm I'm all for them doing something that is good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm always th- I'm always there for them to do something that's good, but I'm not personally going to read into something that isn't that I don't think is actually in the text generally. I'm trying to think if there's a cool grandpa for Ansem. Uh, what? Is is there is there a, an old man oh. for Ansem? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Merlin. Merlin and Ansem, Yen Sid and Ansem? Yen Sid. <laughs> yeah, that could be. Yeah. I think I think Merlin and Ansem are different enough that that there would be some some interest there. Yeah, yeah, I think so. In 2023, we are all shipping Merlin with Ansem the Wise. It's true. <laughs> These games that haven't had a new entry in a while, we're all doing that. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm sure that news will come soon. I'm sure we're going to be hearing. About, I'm, I'll be playing Missing Link tomorrow. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Surprise we, drop it. We'll just go play Union Cross. You can't. Oh. You can't play it anymore. It's just if you go to it, it's just cutscenes. It's just theater mode. Well go play those. <laughs> go play the cutscenes? Yeah. There's so many of them. Yeah, well get on it. Even the people who make cutscene compilations usually trim a lot of it. <laughs> That's a good sign. <laughs> Well, and we and we give thanks to those people, and rest assured, we will give thanks to them <laughs> very much when we get to Union Cross. Yeah, we will for sure. Uh, is that it? Yeah. All right. Thank you for the questions. As always, you can send them to cohost.org/soundsaboutlight/ask, or Drew posts a, a questions post in the Kingdom Hearts tag that you can reply to. Yeah, just anybody. Or you can post them in the Discord. Yeah, or post. Yeah, just send them to me by mail. Do I link the Discord? Because it's not actually our Discord. It's me and Jordan's Discord. <laughs> yeah, so I guess you got to ask your brother. Yeah, let me see. I don't. I don't recall if I actually put a Discord link in any of the episode. Oh, I. De- I definitely don't. Well, hey, if you want to find our Discord, uh, go to any episode description for Doctor Hun. <laughs> the link is there. Pay pay Sam and Jordan to join their Patreon for their other shows, and then come on the Discord. Hey, you don't have to pay to join the Discord. I would never do that. Ah, well. Um, <laughs> anyway, we're on co-host at uh, Sounds About Light. I'm on co-host at Positive Stress, and, and I already said it, but you can listen to my other podcast, Doctor Huh. We just watched the Vampires of Venice. We got to see the ponds again, and next week we're going to be seeing Christopher Eccleston again in Boomtown. 
Hmm. That's great. I think will be our first encounter with the farting Slitheens. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I assume that's why they call it Boomtown. Must be. I like the Ecclesodes. I the always a, always a pleasure. Hope we don't run out too soon. Yeah. Um. Uh. You can find me on co-host at Achilles Healy's. Um. You can listen to me on the F Plus when I'm on it. Um. And extra credit when I'm on it. And uh. Me you too. Know, probably not for a while because I'm going to be gone for a while. <laughs> yep. Yep. And yeah, so we'll 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 be back in December, but until then, we are thank you all for listening. Thank you to noisepace.xyz. Yeah, there we go. For for hosting us alongside other podcasts like Pot of Greed, Podcasting is Forbidden in the Cloud Recesses, Prime Cuts. I'll just do all the P's. Sure. My Pod Cabbages, I guess that's an M. Picking up something good. That's the P's. Uh, Harry Kissinger is Pokemon. It's <laughs> going to die. There you go. Special grade snacks. Yeah. Okay. Slap purrs only. <laughs> and others. And others. That might have peas in the title. I'm skimming. I don't see any. I think we're good. Good. What? Great. <laughs> yeah. How do we end the show? I <laughs> forget. <laughs> well... We will have to, you'll have to ration this out. So here's what you do is you, you get to this point and then you pause it. And then once a week you can unpause it for like a second so that you get to hear this every week until we're back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So start, start your keyblade. Keyblade. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. (laughs) See you in December. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I see you have failed to recognize the futility of your situation. Very well. Face your doom! Oh, Mickey! Minnie! <laughs> Gosh. I didn't expect you to save us. Axel. Axel didn't. My name is Lee. Got it memorized?